J&J Radio is back. I'm your host, Jonathan Harper, along with my co-pilot and partner in crime, Jason Gibbons, Statman and the Hammer. Game one of the 2022 NBA Finals is in the books from San Francisco, no longer Oakland. The Boston Celtics went on the road, scored 120 points, and beat the host Golden State Warriors. Now, the Warriors are they're 31 and 10. I'm sorry, they're 31 and 10 at home. But Boston said it didn't matter because they were coming in to get a victory on the road. And they did that. They had an outstanding fourth quarter. They were white hot. But Jason, he has a whole nother take on what happened in the fourth quarter. So Jason, let's get right into it. What do you think happened in the fourth quarter? And then we'll talk about the overall game. Yeah. So uh, not only were they for uh, 31 and 10, they were actually undefeated in playoffs at home. Uh, the Warriors were, and the Boston Celtics did what they've been doing since January and all playoffs is they've been coming out and playing defense and they have these two personalities, right? Um, They have these odd quarters where they just get blown out (laughs) In, in the games that the Heat won against Boston, right? They had just blown them out in these quarters even though Boston had controlled most, most of the game. And here, uh, the Warriors did that in the third quarter. They scored 38 points. But in the fourth quarter, Boston was able to recover with incredible defense. Um, they were all over the field, uh, uh, all over the court. They were jumping screens and getting in passing lanes. And the Warriors are prone to turn the ball over. Usually it doesn't matter because their offense is so excellent. But those turnovers were getting turned into points. Um, it seemed like every time for the Boston Celtics. It went, yeah, it went like turnover three, turnover three. So those are like five point swings. When I say a five point swing uh, for all our listeners, so if I'm going down the court and I shoot and miss a two point bucket and you come down and score a three, that's a five point swing. So it's also a five point swing or even a six point swing if I turn the ball over, which means I don't even get a shot at the rim or a shot at a three and you come down and hit a three. So they were having these big spurts where like Boston wasn't uh, they weren't they weren't really even really getting stops. The Warriors were turning the ball over and then they became flat and lethargic. And it was almost like they were waiting for Steph to kind of turn on this this magic switch and bail them out. And he looked out of sorts. Uh, it's just a bad matchup for Golden State, I think, because outside of Steph, what matchups do they really uh completely control if you really look at their roster. I mean, obviously, Draymond's not going to score a lot of points. Clay's, you know, Clay is up and down because he's still coming off an injury. Jordan Poole, could, he can give you 30 and a quarter, or he can hit the shot clock. He's really sporadic with his out, offensive out, output. So uh, it was just a really bad quarter for the Warriors, and it was the worst quarter to have a bad quarter because it was a fourth quarter. So if they started like that in the first quarter, they could have possibly dug out of the quarter. But it was just once the doors were off, it was they was just they were completely rolling. Yeah, Boston hit eight threes, uh, eight consecutive threes to start the fourth quarter. Nine threes total. Um, some of these performances. This is interesting too. Uh, the Boston Celtics had no finals experience cumulatively. Not a single player had played a game in the finals. And the Warriors had 100 games of cumulative finals experience. It's only happened three times before. Um, I'm sorry, Boston is the only, this is only the third team to overcome um, that kind of 
discrepancy between their finals records in the first game. Um, it was it was crazy. I would say uh, what what has to be scary for the Warriors is that Steph was great early in the game. Well, he started great, and then he went ice cold like a plunge in the uh, Arctic Ocean in the second quarter. I don't think he scored a point in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, he was four for he was seven for fourteen from three. Otto Porter Jr. was four for five from three, um, and Jason Tatum was uh, had a very pedestrian game. He was three for seventeen overall, one for five from three. Um, although he was great on the uh, he had thirteen assists though. Yeah, exactly. And his plus minus was eighteen. So yeah, he wasn't scoring, but he was kicking to people who were cooking. For instance, Al Horford had twenty six points. He was nine for twelve from the field. Three, I'm sorry, he was six for eight from three. And then Marcus Smart hit four for seven. And then it, it was it was just got out of control. Uh, White came off the bench. He was five for eight from three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his plus minus was twenty five points, which basically means when he was on the court, the Celtics were plus twenty five versus when he was off the court. So he came in and played out of his mind. He had a, a cool little post game interview. Uh, they interviewed him, the guys uh, at Turner and NBA TV, and he, he was just a, a nice young man. He was talking about how he was just, you know, really fortunate to be in that spot, and he was talking about some of the similarities between uh, Udoka and Pop because, you know, he comes from Pop's coaching tree in San Antonio, so he said it was kind of like a seamless transition when he got traded uh, from San Antonio. So, But the quiet is kept. He's kind of been playing out of his mind the entire playoffs. He'll come in and give you seven threes or just catch fire. Um, so it, it's – I don't know what the Warriors are going to do. I think they're going to have to make some big adjustments on defense because they were – so basically no, normally it's either drive and kick, which means I drive to the, I drive to the hole – I get a paint touch, which means my feet physically touch the key, and then I kick out. Or I dump it into a big, and then if you dump down, if you if you kind of double down to help, then he kicks out. That's old school basketball when Shaq and Kobe were playing. You dump down to Shaq, and when you double Shaq, he kicks out to a three. But these teams now they play five players on the perimeter. So if it's five on the perimeter, you have to guard so much space, so it stretches your defense so 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 many different which ways. So if the first person gets ball penetration, you're either giving a layup up or a open three to the person who's helping. So Golden State has to do a much better job of containing ball penetration, or you just live with that person trailing and contesting at the rim versus giving up open threes. Yeah, and if you're the Warriors, you can't over-adjust, right? You can't you can't decide that you don't want to um, let Al Horford score 25 points a game. <laughs> because if you over-adjust, then you have the danger of Jason Tatum who can come and give you give you 40. I, I think if right. they're going to lose a game, I mean, and Steve Kerr talked about not necessarily conceding these baskets to the other players, but understanding, right, that there's there's uh, there's danger zones, right? And, and Absolutely. You're going to want to um, pay more attention to certain players than other, and you have your different methodologies on who you're going to close out on aggressively versus – um, some soft closeouts to kind of see what's going to happen. So they, right. can't, they can't compensate and start letting Jason Tatum go off because then there's going to be no answer for him. They, they, what? they don't have a player. No team has a player. 
that's going to stop Jason Tatum when he's on one of those nights. So I think that they're going to just kind of weather the storm and assume Boston's not going to have another quarter like this. But I right. would say you can assume that all you want. Boston is totally going to have another quarter where they play amazing defense. You uh, just hope it's not the fourth. Yeah, exactly. So, so to your point about the, you know, the, what are you going to give up? I remember when I was coaching on the EYBL circuit, uh, which is the elite youth basketball league for Nike. I was coaching two summers ago, and Jason Hart, who was the associate head coach at USC at the time, would always come to our practices and help out a lot because his son was our point guard, Jason Hart Jr. And i never forget, he said, you can live with twos, contested twos, but threes kill you. So you want to contest at the rim, you make them make tough shots, but you can't give up threes because once threes start to fall, then it starts to snowball out of control. Because a few a few layups, it's like, ah, oh, man, they're on a run. But a few threes, you look up, you're down 12, 15, 18, and it's over. Yeah, and it's, it's very interesting because the Warriors are always considered the three-point three shooting team. Mm-hmm. And overall, they shot 42%, which is good. But when you take a closer look, that's seven for fourteen from Steph Curry, but then you had like two for seven from Wiggins. You had a one for five from uh, Jordan Poole. A uh, uh, lean missed the take the took and missed the three. And Looney then, gave him nothing. He was minus two. You got to give him more than four points right. if you're a starter on that team. And Draymond Green, you got to give me more than four points. He had four points, eleven rebounds, five assists. So his plus minus was uh, minus one. So in other words, when he was on the court they got out scored by one point andrew wiggins who was a bright spot last series uh you know he got so much notoriety for playing luka Doncic so well he played pretty poorly himself well i I shouldn't say poorly so this is how the numbers can get it uh kind of weird so he had 20 points but when he was on the court they were minus 11 so his output versus his points kind of don't match up so he's got to do a better job of containing ball penetration because a few times he gave up ball penetration and that ended up being an open three. Yeah. I mean, he like, yeah, to your point, right. If you're looking at the stats, you see his plus minus, but outside of that two for seven from three, he was pretty efficient. Right. Um, otherwise. And, uh, and he's a key cog, right. In, in their defense, he had three blocks. Um, this, this warrior team is not the old warrior team. And there's been a lot of talk about the warriors who won the championship um, then lost in the finals, and then the KD Warriors, right, for the um, stretch that they had Kevin Durant, and then missed the playoffs consecutive years. Um, there but they are older, though, and they had a much better bench. Older. They had vets. Yes. They're Proven. Older, they're more yeah. mature, but also they're now they're younger and more athletic in some positions. But um, right. people are making this into a referendum on Steph Curry having been in five finals and not having any finals MVPs. Some people have said that um, if he does finally win the MVP, he will have validated himself in some way or uh, propel himself into a a category with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Uh, I don't know that that's all true if he wins one finals MVP. Um, You know, Steph has had an amazing career. He's one of the greatest players ever. Um, But I will say that regardless of how many points he scores, if they lose in the finals, it can be also a referendum against them in the other direction. While Draymond now is is putting in, you know, arguments with Kevin Durant on game days from you know series several years ago, you wonder like why why are they still stuck on that 
And I think that they are sensitive about the way Steph is talked about in the media in terms of the, the other great players in the NBA. Of course they're sensitive. When players say they don't listen to it and they don't read it, they're lying because they, they like the sport. So players watch ESPN. They watch Fox Sports. They watch all these things because they're a fan of the game just like anybody else is. So it's very rare that somebody literally turns off their television and watches no sports during the playoffs. Mind you, they might turn the channel uh, you know, when somebody's talking about them specifically. But it's almost like you can't escape it because they don't live in a bubble. Like this isn't Orlando. This isn't <laughs> this isn't Disney World. They're still out and about, and people are talking, and people are talking to their friends and their family, and then their friends and their family is texting and calling them and saying, "Hey, did you hear this? Such and such said this." So it's almost like you can't avoid it. But to your point, uh, of course he's sensitive to it. I mean, that's why he came out and tried to play so well during the first quarter. He was cooking. But unfortunately, he was the only one cooking. He was cooking with hot grease, and everybody else still had the flour on their hands. He was the only one. Uh, and and to your point, as good as Clay is, he's still coming back from two really bad injuries. So it's it's affected his lateral speed and his lateral mobility. So he can still shoot with the best of him, but he can't stay in front of players like he used to. You know, three years ago before his uh, before those 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 surgeries and everything, which is understandable because. When you come back from a torn Achilles and a torn ACL, it's not like he's, it's not a video game. You can't just drop him back in and say, hey, we need you to be uh, this, arguably the second best shooter ever and uh, be right what you dropped off at uh, in terms of defense. He still has to get back into it. The speed of the game is a little bit different. So I think next year will be a little bit better for Clay, but obviously from his stroke, he can still shoot. But to your point, everybody is a few years older from that stretch, and their bench is different. And these ain't uh, these ain't the Boston Celtics that we've seen in years past. They're young, they're hungry, they're athletic. They got big Grandpa Al knocking three pointers down. Like he he's really changed his game to be able to stretch the floor. And he might put Giannis in the rim, or he might put uh, Wiggins in the rim. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, he's, he's been overlooked. I, I think bringing him back to the team was a great uh, decision. Acquisition, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a fantastic He had a year off, basically. They paid him to, like, hang out and chill in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, I will say this. this. The Celtics went on the road in the playoffs. But they can also great. lose at home. Yeah, they're not great at home. <laughs> and the Warriors always went on the road. So this right. is different. From You hear all those statistics about the teams who win the first game in a seven-game series and all that stuff, or uh, teams who went on the road. I think that's up in the air with these two teams. Uh, and I'm looking forward to a long competitive series. And those stats, to your point, those were specific for those teams and those specific players in that specific series. All this is completely different. Jason Tatum said himself tonight in the press conference, he said, we've lost, I think he said they lost game one of last series and they lost game one of the series before that. So the winner of game one doesn't necessarily win the series. Like they said, it's not the first to one. It's the first to win four. I think it's going to be a really uh, entertaining series. It was back and forth. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday night uh, in San Francisco. Now, if the Warriors go down 0-2, then the women in the, uh, then the house might be on fire. Time to get everybody out. But I, I don't know if Boston's going to go up 2-0 on the road. That's a tough task because it's it's human nature to say we just need a split. We need a split. So if you get the first one, you're like, man, I'm tired from the last series because they just had a game seven a couple of days ago. They just wanted to split. 
So I think that, and this is where experience becomes important, right? I think that Ime Udoka loves the fact that they won game one in both the previous series and went seven games. So now he can tell his team, I don't care that you won this game. Last time you won a game like this, you came back and lost, and it cost us. And (laughs) if if anything, he'll use that as a lesson to bring them back with with the same motivation to try to avoid um, that natural emotional letdown that you just described. Right. So if I'm if I'm Coach Kerr, we're going to look at a lot of film. We're going to get some shots up. And some of the things we need to work on is we have to do a better job of containing ball penetration. And we have to help, but not over help, which means like I can get a hand in the passing lane, but I can't completely commit. And the Warriors just have to they have to have a lot of they have to have a better effort on defense. Once the doors kind of fell off and the button that that boulder started rolling downhill in San Francisco, you kind of saw them like, what is happening? You could see in their body language, they're like, oh, no, this isn't it. So they've got to kind of push through it and they've got to have more energy and more effort on the offense. I'm sorry, on the defensive end and on the offensive end. They can't look for Steph to bail them out. And this isn't rock and jock basketball where I can hit a nine point bucket from a hundred feet away. You've got to start chipping away. You got to attack the rim, get paint touches. If they score a three, you don't have to come down and hit a three. You can get a two on this possession, get a stop, and get a two on the next possession. They were they were settling for the three, and they were letting the Celtics off the hook. I feel like on the opposite end of the floor during that run in the fourth quarter. Yes, and. One correction to what I just said. I didn't mean win game one on the road. I meant uh, win win a game one and then come back and lose at home. Uh, win a game on the road and then come back and lose at home is what I, what I meant. But, yes, I agree with you 100%. And in this game, the Celtics did just that. The Warriors, you know, socked them in the mouth a little bit in the first quarter, right? They came yep. back in the second quarter and won that. In the third quarter, they stomped on them real bad, but they got up. They didn't try to get back in the game, you know, all in one play, right? Right. Jaden, they they were calm. They played through Jalen Brown for I think he scored like ten straight points. He was the one that kept it close, and then yeah. the team was like, "Oh, Jalen kept it close. Let's just go ahead and take this home." Yes, and then the Warriors. They Steve Kerr is a calm coach. They don't panic. Um, they have a great system, and they've had crazy success. Right, Steve Kerr since he's been the coach has only lost two playoff series, and they were in the finals. Um, they were calm, and Steph Curry rested on the bench. But that whole time, the Celtics just picked up momentum. They just kept doing what they were doing, and before they knew it, the game was out of reach. I'm looking forward to some of the adjustments because I think Coach Kerr, is he's going to probably try to go with maybe a little bit smaller of a lineup. I don't know about how much time Looney's going to get because they don't really post Al like that anymore. They don't play through him in a traditional sense on the box where you just dump it down and he bulldozes you and like scores on the scores in the paint so they can go smaller unless they try to exploit that matchup even with Robert Williams they don't really dump it to him on the on the box and just let him go to work so war, the Warriors might have to go a little bit smaller and they might have to score uh call you know one or two more timeouts and attack the rim if the ball starts you know just starts falling like it did late in the fourth for Boston and I do expect again the Warriors to start attacking the paint more and being more aggressive cuz they know a veteran team knows we can't afford to go down two 
2-0. Uh, sorry, we can't afford to go down 0-2 at home and then try to steal, you know, two games in Boston. That's a tall task for anybody. So I think the Warriors are going to come out with a lot of energy uh, on Sunday night, and they're going to make adjustments. And it's almost like I'll, I'll say this as an example. Uh, no, the Warriors can make this adjustment. Remember when, when Dallas went small and they just spreaded Utah out and they had Rudy Gobert running around like a chicken with his head cut off because yeah, he kept him. overhelping? Yeah, you asked, right? Like, at what point do you got to take him off the floor? <laughs> He's not going to give you anything on offense. And now they've eliminated him on defense. Right. But that didn't happen to Golden State against Dallas because they were a different matchup and they can afford to go smaller because Dallas doesn't have any bigs we're gonna they're gonna dump it down to if you do go small to prevent that from happening. So I think Coach Kerr is gonna make some adjustments. Uh, they're gonna look at film and I'm I'm co- I'm sure that Draymond's gonna be barking and yelling because nobody wants to go down O two at the house. Yeah, Draymond can bark and yell. They probably need one of their best players to bark and yell. Um, get some production out. Uh, <laughs> the disrespect. I, yeah, I mean, the man is a first ballot Hall of Famer. What is he? He's a defensive player of the year. What two times? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't. I'm not a writer. I'm just telling you the stats. You're you're the stat man. I'm just giving you the stats that the man has won defensive player of the year twice in the hardest league in the world on planet Earth in the solar system to play in. But you know, he's not a he's not good, right? What do yeah, I know? I mean, Dwight Howard <laughs> won three times, and they didn't even let him be in the top seventy-five. And that just goes to show you that both of us should have been voting because Dwight Howard is the first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's definitely one of the seventy-five best players in the world ever. What do you think about? Um... I know they said that uh, Gary Payton II was cleared to play, um, but he didn't play any minutes. He was a DNP coach's decision today. Um, if Jalen Brown is operating like he was in that fourth quarter, um, don't you have to let uh, Gary Payton kind of guard him for a little while? I think I would try that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the only thing – well, yeah, I was I was going to say you, you're you uh, coming in with defense and you're sacrificing offense, but you're not really sacrificing offense with him if he catches in and attacks because that could be a plus on both ends of the on both ends of the court because a lot of times the Warriors start to get complacent and stand around at three, but he doesn't do it as much because that's not his strength. He understands he needs to attack. So I think that would actually help them on both sides of the court because he could attack on offense and I think he could, like you said, do a little bit better on defense because you just can't have you can't have it where you get outscored forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But again, through through three quarters they were fine, but then all of a sudden it just it went to hell. So they got to yeah. do a, a much better job of closing. And Magic uh, brought up a good point. Magic Johnson was. Uh, doing some some halftime analysis with the crew for ESPN. He was saying the Warriors looked a little tired. He said they had their hands on their knees and it looked like they were sucking wind a little bit in their first quarter. I'm sorry, in the second quarter, which is probably a thing because they haven't played in almost a week because they made light work of Boston. I'm sorry, they made light work of Utah. Dang, I, every team but the one I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, they beat Dallas in five games. Uh, so they had days off. And, you know, like, your cardio on your off day is not true game cardio. So, yeah, you have simulated, you know, environments and things like that. But they're an older team, so they don't run nearly as much as they would have, you know, three or four years ago. So 
just by not being in game speed, like they had a little bit of adjustment and like they say, a little bit of rust. Like they, there was always that question, even in football, when you have your first round by versus playing straight through, are you going to be rusty or are you going to be hitting the ground running? So yeah, yeah. Rest it, versus rest, right? Which one do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's an interesting stat. I think we can uh, uh, leave everybody with. Uh, we always talk about how deep the Golden State Warriors are and how many players uh, Steph Curry plays. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Steve Kerr plays on his team. We talk about him going 12 deep or 11 deep. Um, tonight he only played eight players. Boston played nine players. I'm, I'm not counting the people they threw in for one minute. Oh, we forgot about Kaminga too. He yeah. might make an appearance too because he plays yeah, defense. Yeah. And, yeah, he's yeah, and slasher. Yeah, that's that's going to be the difference. If the Warriors seem to get gassed, right, um, we're going to look to see – that deep bench that the Golden State is always uh, complimented for, right? And right. More than, you got to play more than eight players if the other team is going to go nine, ten players deep, and those nine, ten players are like all, you know, Marcus Smart's like, you know, what is he, 28, and he's one of the older players. <laughs> Um, Moody Moody might get some tick next game, and also Jordan Poole just has to get better. Because, like I said, as, as improved as he is, you know, he's 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 gone through the G League. He's improved. He's he's about to get a big contract. He's just got to get better on his on ball defense. That's his next maturation. That's his next progression as a player to get to the next level. I agree with that one hundred percent. So with that, I'll wrap it up. Again, that is the end of our uh, Game 1 analysis of the 2022 NBA playoffs for the NBA Finals. The Celtics, again, won Game 1 over the Golden State Warriors, 120-108. to So Game 2 is Sunday night. I think it's at about, what is it, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock our time here in California, Jay? Uh, it's a 5 o'clock uh, start time. So 5 o'clock tip-off, so we'll be recording uh, after the game, and we'll have our, our post-game analysis, and we'll see you know what coaches do. And it's a chess match. Like Shaq said tonight, you have your, your pre-game adjustments that you go in, you say, we're going to do this. But then once the ball is tipped and stuff starts to happen and, and you know players get in foul trouble or this player is hot, this player is cold, then you make in-game adjustments on the fly as a player, and then you have coaches who make adjustments on the sideline. So that's why they say basketball is a game of adjustments because it's always it's like chess. It's push and pull. You do this, I do this. You do this, I do that. So uh, I'm really anxious. Not anxious. I'm really um, excited to see what both coaches do, and it's really cool for you Ume Adoka. You can say what you mean. You're anxious because you picked the Warriors. I did pick the Warriors. Punch in the mouth. <laughs> now you're They'll be fine. They'll be fine. But I am. I'm. I'm happy for Coach uh, Udoka because this is his first year as a head coach, a brother in Boston. You know that's a hell of a task to bring that team to the finals because, you know, his boss couldn't do the same thing he did. So it's cool to see that your boss couldn't do what you did, but he had the he had the foresight to hire you to try to bring the team over the hump. So it's a cool dynamic to see how it's working out in the first year there in Boston, especially when they started their season so rough. And, you know, people were saying that it's time to break up Jason Tatum with um, uh, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. So it's cool to see that those those three, I would say the big two, it's not really a three yet, uh, but it's cool to see that they've kind of they've meshed, they came together really well, and they beat some really good teams in the East. But 
you know, if they can beat the Warriors uh, four out of seven games, that's going to be a hell of a task. But I'm really looking forward to game two. But I don't like that the NBA is trying to make this series uh, basically a month long because game three yeah, is until the like, so four days away. Yeah. Um, exactly. You got to your prime days. We know you want to have games on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever, but it's, it's a long way between games. And uh, exactly. going back to Udoka and his success, I um, he deserves a lot of credit. I also think that Brad Stevens deserves some credit. I think when he got this position, a lot of people, including myself, um, said that he kind of failed up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like he kind of got fired from the coach and then promoted, but um, he has done a great job. He brought back. Al Horford, he brought in Derek White, and he's put together a team. He hired Udoka, put together a team, and hired the right coach, and um, he deserves all the credit. He does deserve credit, and like you said, the head coach uh, deserves credit. But the reason why we say that is because generally when you know an African-American coach doesn't do well and can't get over the hump, he doesn't really go into the general manager position at that team. He normally gets promoted to fan, a.k.a. fired. So – that's why a lot of people were saying it wasn't fair, but to his credit, he's done a really good job. His team has done well. They're in the NBA finals, so it all worked out for Boston in the end so far at this point. But again, I'm Jonathan Harper. That's my guy, Jason Gibbons. We've known each other since, oh my goodness, over 25 years at this point. We went to Long Beach Poly High School together. Shout out to the Jackrabbits. Statman the Hammer. We are J&J Radio, and we will see you guys again in year, maybe not see you, you guys will hear from us again on Sunday night. We really appreciate uh, all the well wishes. Jay, give them that email address so you guys can email us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And if you have anything cool like John the Harper, I just want to really hang out with you guys when you're off camera. We might be able to, uh, to make that happen because I know I get a lot of requests on my email to hang out with me because I'm so cool. You know, I'm sure you do too, right, Jay? Yeah, all, all the time. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, you can reach us at jnjradio.com. Um, you can find us, and I'm, I usually don't give the full rundown. I'll give you guys the full rundown. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Overcast, on Amazon Music, on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Listen Notes, PodFriend, Player FM, Deezer, Podmaster, and Castro. <laughs> So, so basically, podcast, you can yeah, if there's a speaker and internet access, you can hear us. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you can email the guys at jnjradio.com or um, email Jason at jnjradio or Jonathan at jnjradio and reach us directly. And again, we appreciate you guys listening. Feel free to uh, send us out to all your friends and family, anybody you work with, anybody who's a basketball fan, football fan, baseball, any of that. We're still working on hockey. We're going to get there. You got to crawl for your walk. But again, <laughs> this is J&J Radio, and we will talk to you guys later. you want to add anything else, Jay, before we take it out? All right. Have a good night.